0: Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Good morning, church. Hey, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and if you're like me, yeah, cool, I like that. Woo! Um... If you're like me, I, I grew up in the church my entire life, but we didn't use um, we didn't use these liturgical terms. It was just like, well, it's Christmas time after Thanksgiving. It's Christmas time, and um, but then uh, several years ago, about ten years ago, I, I got to be part of a church family that embraced kind of three streams of Christianity. The one that I had grown up in, kind of in the charismatic realm, also the evangelical world, I was familiar with that world as well, uh, but the liturgical world, the liturgical expressions of worship, and um, I got to learn a lot of things that were so di- deep and re- rich in my faith, I thought, man, I've been missing out on this, and, um, and I, I want to participate in the enrichness of this, because I feel it's drawing me closer to the Lord, and one of those expressions is this high holy, um, you know, holiday on the calendar on the church calendar, and that's Advent. It's really kind of the beginning of the church calendar, the beginning of the year for the church calendar. And so, it's the first, or it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, uh, up to Christmas Day. So this year we kind of get shortchanged a little bit because. There's only three full weeks leading up to Christmas because it's on a Monday, but we, get, so we still get four Sundays. So today's the first Sunday. And, um, and Advent, um, it, I mean, it's celebrated around the world. Christians all around the world today are entering into the this season, this, this purposeful time uh, of just slowing down and remembering the first Advent. And what, the, the word Advent comes from a Latin word, which basically means that something or someone notable is coming. And we know who that is, and he has already come, and that's Jesus Christ, amen? And so it's a season that we purposely enter to in preparation and expectation for the joyous celebration of Jesus' birth. And this is important. I remembered uh, or reminded of in, in the book of Joshua, where the Lord's instructing Joshua on how to raise up the next generation. And he's talking about the, the things that I'm giving to you, make sure that you give these to the next generation. Keep them in your mouths. Keep them in your home. And Advent is a tool for us to do that. It's a tool to continue to raise up the next generation to love and serve Jesus. Amen? And so during these first four weeks or these four Sundays of Advent, we reflect on the mystery of the Incarnation that Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled when he said that the girl would have a child, that the woman would have a child, and call him Emmanuel, God with us. In Advent, what it does is it, it invites us to journey through the darkness of the world, but in hopeful anticipation that the light will soon pierce the darkness. Amen. And so today we lit that hope candle and we are going to light each one of these candles here on the Advent wreath. And they're reminding us of the increasing brightness Christ's presence brings to our lives. And in the stillness of Advent, we we not only reenter into the story of Jesus's birth in Bethlehem, but we also are anticipating the promise of his return. Amen. So we're, we're finding ourselves in our own season of Advent, the second Advent, and so this is both the time of reflection and readiness, a sense of spiritual significance that transcends the hustle and the bustle of all of the the secular activity out there that revolves around this season. Advent is countercultural to that. Instead of like just being so full of. Just kind of pent up anxiety that, we'll, well, you know, we've got this holiday party to go to, and they're doing this at work, and they're doing this at my kids' school, and we've got to get this shopping done, and we're going to have this gathering with our family. Advent is like, it's not about that. And if, if that's the way you feel in your soul, I want to invite you to, to take a drink of something different. Take a drink of the living water. He's hope for your soul. And so as we embrace the beauty of Advent, may we find solace in the timeless truth that indeed the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, before we get into this uh, week's message, I want to just tell you how thankful I am for you. I'm just so thankful for this church. I've just been reminded. I know that we've just come out of the Thanksgiving season. And I was just having lunch with a friend this week, and we were talking about just various circumstances in our lives and how weighty life can be, and I was just reminded that when we just get so focused on our circumstances and focused on ourselves, and and oftentimes the things are important things, but when we become so self-focused, it can rob us of our joy, it can rob us of the joy that the Lord brings. And I just think about what is, what is the antidote to that? And I believe that it's gratitude and thankfulness. And I just want to tell you, church, family, how thankful and how I just want to show you gratitude for the, the Lord has brought you to be part of this house, to be part of this church home, that we get to do life together. And I don't mean that in a trite way, but I mean like we get to build the kingdom of God together. We get to raise godly young men and women together. We get to hone these arrows and shoot them into the world. We get to be world changers for the the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And as we link arms together, we get to accomplish far more together, exponentially more than any one of us could do on our own. And I'm just so thankful for you. Uh, I just want to also remind you that uh, Christmas letters, you know, we heard the announcement, Christmas letters is coming up. And guys, I'm telling you what, this is a big deal. The choir uh, was rehearsing this last Wednesday, and my goodness, it's going to be good. And I don't just mean that because of the talent and the, the songs. I mean, the, the the Holy Spirit anointing is going to be present on these days. And I want to encourage you to be here. I want to encourage you to invite family or friends that need a touch from heaven to be here. It's going to be so good. Right there in the seat back of the chair in front of you, uh, I don't know if you can see them popping up or if they've fallen down into that pocket, but you've got some invitations there, uh, little little cards to pass out to friends and family. There's a little QR code on the back that they can scan to get their tickets. It is important. We uh, we The reason we have dates on Saturday night and Sunday morning or because we, we need all the seats. And so uh, the, the tickets kind of help us make sure we disperse people and that everybody gets a seat, amen? So if you yourself haven't already reserved your tickets, please do so for you and your family too. Tickets are free, yes, I'm sorry. The tickets are free, they cost nothing. You just need to reserve them and make sure that you have a seat, cool? All right, and if for some reason at the last minute you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot to get tickets, or I want to invite so-and-so, but you know, they, there's not any time to, you know, get on the, it's okay, just come, just come. But the tickets just kind of help us manage the crowd control. All right, praise God. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Why don't you stand up with me? And today we're going to honor God's word, and we're going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can open there. And read it in your own Bible, or you can follow along with me here on the screen. I'm going to invite you to read with me today. These are the Apostle Paul's words to his protege, Pastor Timothy. You know, uh, you know in the scripture, Paul talks to Timothy, and he says, Don't let any man despise your youth. And uh, we're like, I always thought, like, man, well, Timothy you know, could have been like late his late teens, early 20s. Uh, honestly, probably Timothy was probably between his mid thirties and mid forties. Uh, but for Paul, that was youth, because <laughs> Paul's an old guy at this time. And and it was about this time where you know this is where people going into ministry are now just now kind of getting their feet under them. And so you can read with me here. We're going to start in verse seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to lay hold of the life that is truly life. God, if there are things that we are hanging on to that are not life from you, we just invite you to show those things to us so that we can loose our grip from those things and tighten our grip onto you. To, to, to truly trust you and to cling to you and to hang on to the life that you give to us. Lord, as we look in your word today and as we hear this message, give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us. Help us be transformed and changed when we walk out of this place and not be the same people that we were when we came in. And I ask a blessing on your people today as they lean into the voice of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. amen. You can be seated. A couple of weeks ago, we started this talk about leaving a legacy, and we started talking about why we exist as a church. You know, um, God, I don't believe that God decided to plant Seeds Church in Middle Tennessee because he was bored and didn't have anything to do. <laughs> and I don't think that the Lord planted Seeds Church in Middle Tennessee because. You know, people who were already Christians just needed another place to worship. What God had in mind for Siege Church for the people that call this place home, and for the people that will call this place home, is that we would make a significant impact for his kingdom that would echo throughout eternity. And so so we exist, yes, for people who already know God are. And they're alive in Christ, and we also exist for people who do not yet know the Lord and they're still dead in their sin, and one day they will become alive in Christ. And our purpose is to introduce them to the real Jesus because they were created to be in relationship with Him. And so, We're establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Our mission is to help people discover who God created them to be and and help help equip them to do what God called them to do. We want to help people know God and follow Jesus. We want to help people and, and walk with each other together towards freedom from the sin and the weights that try to slow us down. We want to discover our God-given gifts and talents and abilities and resources and purposes. And we want to activate those things in such a way that we're not only making a difference today, but what we're doing is going to make a difference that counts for eternity. Amen? Amen? And that's what legacy is all about. Legacy is about making a difference that outlives us. It's about you making a difference on this earth that outlives your, your 80 years here. Or Gigi, your 93 years. <laughs> and you're, you're making a difference that, that outlives that not to make a name for yourself, not so that your name could be plastered on a building somewhere, or in a placard somewhere, but you're doing it for the glory of God. You're doing it because he's worthy. Eternity. It's what, that's what it's about. And eternity is our great motivator. Eternity ought to be the filter through which we make all of our decisions in life. Eternity ought to be the lens through which we look at and we decide this is how what we're going to do with my life. James chapter 4 tells us that that life is like a vapor. Not vaping, but life is like a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. It's here in one moment, but in the next moment, where is it? It's gone. It's disappeared. Many of us, if you've lived any amount of time on this earth, you've probably lost someone close to you, a family member or a friend. And it's a reminder that life is like a vapor. A few years ago, right before Thanksgiving, Jamie lost her Uncle Dan, 63 years old. I used When I was a kid, I used to think 63 was old. I don't think 63 is very old. And it wasn't like some long-term illness that he was in the hospital for weeks or months. I mean, it just kind of happened. It happened suddenly. Uncle Dan back in Iowa. And, and, and Jamie's family, they decided they, they were not going to get together that year for their big family Thanksgiving dinner. I said, what? what? I don't understand that. Well, they're just so reeling with the pain from Dan's death, that they didn't gather together as a family. And I just I really that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And as we were talking about this, Jamie said something that kind of made the light bulb come on for me about why that is and she says, they don't know how to grieve with hope. They don't know how to grieve with hope. They don't have any kind of eternal perspective. And when she said that, it made sense then. I was like, oh, well, if I was in their shoes, then I might feel that way too. You know, as believers, we do experience and feel loss. But the loss is temporary. If we are in Christ then we have eternal perspective. We have this blessed hope that that we know that on the other side of eternity, that we're gonna be reunited with family. We're gonna be reunited with friends. We're gonna be reunited with all of the saints who, like we have, said, I've decided to follow Jesus. What a hope. What a hope we have. Eternal perspective gives us hope for what our lives will be like after this life. But we are going to miss the point if we just live this life without tomorrow in mind. Eternity must be the underlying current of our entire lives. It must be the underlying current behind everything that we do, everything that we are with our lives. None of us are promised tomorrow. And even if we do live our 80 years or 90 years, that is a small window of time here on the earth. Compared to eternity, it's hardly a blip on the map. But the awesome thing is, is that during this small window of time that each and every one of us has, every, every has been given, we have the opportunity to live our lives in such a way that it makes a difference for eternity. Eternity. That's incredible. The apostle Paul, he writes to Timothy in this passage that we just read. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, you can put it back up there. um, But but just for reference, you can kind of look at that. But Paul makes the, the, the distinction between the present world that we're living in and another age that is coming. Paul's saying that there is a life that's beyond this life. And and where you want to spend the majority of your investments and your efforts is not what's going to happen just right here, right now, but what's going to happen for all of eternity in the coming age. Not spending everything that you are and not spending everything that you have on just being gratified in this present world. And and listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be smart or wise with, with what God's given you here on this In this present world, in this present life. You should be smart and wise. Why? So you can just indulge yourself in all of the luxuries and the pleasures of this world? No. But so that you can be better positioned to to make investments that will make a difference in the coming age. Why is it so important that we focus on eternity and not just enjoy the pleasures of this present world? Here's why. Because this is not my home. Eternity is my home. This is I' I'm, I'm passing through this time here on Earth 80, 90 years. Praise God, I'm pr- praying for 90. Jamie's believing. What do you say? 109. I don't where did you come up with that number? she's but she said it for for years and years. she's going to live to 109. Praise God. My time on this world, in this present world, is just temporary. There is, like Paul said, there is more to this life than this life. My home is in eternity. A lot of us, we get so caught up and carried away, and we get so worked up with all the stuff in this present world, in this present age. And and some of it could be good things. Some of it could be not so good things. But we're, we're all wrapped up in this. And But in John chapter 14, Jesus, he addresses his disciples and he redirects their attention. And this is what, what Jesus said in John chapter 14. You can uh, go right there with me in your own Bible or you can read it on this screen. I would encourage you to bring your Bible to church with you. I mean, if you don't, if you can't bring your Bible to church with you, where can you bring it with you? we want to be Bible people, amen? We're Word of God people. Let's tote this thing wherever we go. Some of you tote it in your pocket on your phone. That's great, too. I encourage you to get one of these versions here with paper and leather. Um, it doesn't have to be leather, but paper. The thing about this is, like, when you open it up, you don't get, like, text notifications that pop up. Anyway, this is kind of be distracting sometimes. This is is what Jesus said to the disciples, John chapter 14. This is happening during um, the the Last Supper. This is is part of the discourse during the last moments that Jesus spends with his disciples before he goes to Gethsemane. And he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms and a big yard where we can play football. If you don't know that joke, then you didn't listen to CCM in the 90s. So anyway, it's okay. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Don't... Let your hearts be troubled. It's so easy for us to get focused on just the here and now. But Jesus said, pay more attention to the later. Our tendency is to give attention to the temporal things, but Jesus points us to the eternal things. When Paul was incarcerated, in, he was incarcerated by Rome for preaching the gospel, he wrote a letter to several churches, and one of them was to the church in Philippi. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse 18. He says, "Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction." Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Paul's saying is their God is indulgence. Their God is whatever they can consume that can bring them pleasure. You know, I would say that they got the Nike mentality. Just do it. If it feels good, do it. You know? If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Whatever brings them pleasure, that's what they're into. If it causes them pain, they're not into that. And why are they enemies of the cross? Because, he says, their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. Eternity is my home. Paul, he follows Jesus' example here in redirecting the attention of the Philippian church. He says, don't be like everyone else. Don't be an enemy of the cross by making an idol out of your own indulgence. Get your mind off of earthly things that are not going to amount to a hill of beans, like my daddy used to say. You know, Why are you so worked up over that? It's not going to amount to a hill of beans. It's not. Things are going to get tested by fire. What's going to remain? That's the eternal things. And that's where I want to put my attention. That's where I want to put my efforts. That's where I want to put my investments. That's where I want to live my life, not for this current life, but for the life that is to come. Guys, I, I, um, I've i been discerning what the Lord has in store for us in 2024. And... Um, and so sometimes you just kind of get a word and you wait on the Lord to confirm instead of just running around and just saying everything that you think immediately and think, well, God said this. We'll pump the brakes. Hang on just a second. Let's have a time of discerning before we just run around and just quote the Lord. Um, Dr. R.T. Kendall, who wrote this book, Prophetic Integrity, a year or two ago, he's like, I mean, this is a guy I respect a lot. This is a, a general in the faith. He's still alive with us on this earth, but who knows <laughs> Who knows when he'll pass from this life to the next. He's close. He's on the edge. And um, he said in his book, you know, it would be best, it would be better for us if we didn't just run around and just say all the time, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that and God said this and God said that. It would be better if we would just have discernment and say, I think that the Lord is saying. (laughs) I think that this is what the Lord might be saying. Anyway, that's a freebie. You don't have to pay any extra for that today. There's going to be things that were tested by fire, and this this is what I'm discerning for 2024. I believe the Lord is saying that 2024 for Seeds Church is gonna be a refining year. It's a refiner's fire. And when you have the long-term perspective, the eternal perspective, that's exciting. But if your view is only on what's in front of you right now, then it's gonna hurt. (laughs) You know how you purify gold? You have to heat it up really hot to separate the impurities, the dross, away from what is pure gold. Refiners fire. Ooh, wow, that sounds good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, if you have eternal perspective. But if you don't, you're just going to be in a world of pain. But when you if you have a ter- eternal perspective and you walk through some hard things, some difficulties, some pain, the Lord burning some stuff off of you, you're like, okay, I can handle this because I know that the Lord's refining us. He's refining me. He's refining me as the as the leader of my home, man. He's refining me as a mother to my children and a, a wife to my husband. He's refining us as a church to be better used as a tool for, to advance the gospel. Amen? All right, so that's coming. <laughs> we need to be reminded what really matters are the things of eternity. Why? Because it's our home. We should live today, not again for this tiny dot of this present life that exists on the timeline of of eternity, but we should live today for the timeline that exists beyond the tiny little dot, this line that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. We get so caught up and we get so carried away with only what matters here. What I have what I look like, what I drive, where I live, how I dress, what's in my bank account, what do people think of me? We get so focused on the finite dot of our time here on earth and we we neglect the infinite line. But what really makes the most sense is that we would invest our lives, not just to the dot, but to the line that goes on and on and on and on. The writer of Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews chapter 11, it's commonly known as the the faith hall of fame. And we read about these people who didn't just invest into the dot, but they invested themselves into the line of eternity. The, the, the interesting thing is about a good number of people that are on this list, <laughs> a good number of these folks uh, that this list is composed of, they're not people who had their act together. Only about you know half, maybe, of the, of the folks that are on the list have any kind of semblance of, of, like, earthly success. And the other half didn't have any kind of success whatsoever by the world standards. But the scripture said that all of them are commended for their faith. They're all faith heroes. Why is that? How's that possible? Well, let's read here Hebrews 11, chapter 13. This is, uh, this version here is in the message paraphrase. If you go and you read uh, an actual translation, you're going to see that these things line up. This Sometimes when you go read a paraphrase, you have to go back and check an actual translation because sometimes a paraphrase is like, it gets off a little bit compared to this. But I really like the way that this says this passage and it reflects what is um, the actual intent of a translation. It says this, Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance and they waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they're looking for their true home. They realized eternity was their home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted, but they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. Sounds like Dollywood or something, I don't know. Heaven, Welcome to heaven country. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be far better than Dollywood, I promise you. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Now, what we just read, that what awaits us is far better than what we're experiencing now. Unfortunately, there are a lot of misconceptions in our culture about what eternity is going to be like. And some people are deceived to think that this present world, this present age is going to be somehow, it's somehow better than what is to come. But that's a lie. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell to derail people's life, to keep them far from God, to keep them bound in chains to their sin, and and keep them on a destiny headed for hell. That's a lie. Some people think that, man, they have no interest in in living for God now because they think that kind of, of life is gonna lead to an eternity, that after they die, they're just gonna turn into like a little fat baby cherub, you know, like dressed in a toga, sitting on a cloud playing a harp, and that doesn't interest them. Me either. That's not what it's going to be like. It was like, man, I just can't wait to get to heaven and be part of that little fat baby cherub choir, you know. (laughs) That does not sound like heaven to me. That sounds more like another place, anyway, to me, anyway, uh, sounds terrible, (laughs) The truth is is that eternity is far better than anything that any of us could imagine because we're going to be in the presence of God. We get to take our crowns of any achievement that we ever have made and ever have had, and we get to lay them at the feet of Jesus, the worthy lamb. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be far better. There's not going to be any war. It's not going to be any murder. No racism. No poverty. No inflation, praise God. No stupid governments making crazy decisions. No traffic on Old Fort. No long drive-through line at Chick-fil-A. Tennessee Vols are going to win us a national championship in heaven. I just know it. Every year, <laughs> Every year. yeah. <laughs> All of that sounds wonderful, but for the children of God, eternity is is for, even far better. We're going to be in the presence of the most holy God. So why should you be concerned about leaving a legacy? Why should you be focused on investing into the coming age? Because if you are in Christ, eternity is your home. Why should you live your life now in such a way that outlives you? Because the line of eternity is longer than the dot of right now. So now the question is, is how do we do it? How do we invest now in the present that's going to make a difference in the coming age? Jesus helps us connect these dots in Luke chapter 12. You can open there in your, in your Bibles there, Luke chapter 12, verse 16, or you can also read it there on the screen. Again, I always recommend be familiar with your Bible on your Bible. Know where things are. Luke chapter 12, I'm getting there myself. verse 16. It says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store my crops. I mean, this this guy's having a good problem. He's having so much surplus. He's like, I don't even know what to do with it. He says, oh, I know what I'll do. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I mean, that's how much stuff he has. That is like, you know what? I know the solution to this. Let's actually demo the good thing that we have now and build something even more incredible. And he goes, there I'll store my surplus surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. The, things are going good for this guy. He's on easy street. Maybe he worked hard. Maybe the work that he he did paid great dividends. And now he's like, you know what? It's time to throw it into cruise control. Let's buy the travel trailer and park it at the beach. Spend the. <laughs> you, you're not supposed to amen there because wait till the next verse. He thinks, that this is the dream, this is the life. But God said to him, oh my, you fool. (laughs) This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Whatever you have here on earth, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. Remember the parable of the talents? One guy got a whole bunch. And <laughs> what was it? Five talents? And one guy got one talent. And when we say talent, it was a measure of wealth. And guess what? The guy who had only one talent, one measure of this, this wealth, it was still a whole lot. So whatever you've been given, no matter how much it is, whatever the Lord has put and entrusted into your hands, he thinks it's a lot, whether it's five or one. And so it's not whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. It's not whether you're wealthy or you're just scraping by. None of that determines whether or not you can be rich toward God. And the thing that Jesus stresses here as being the thing that's the most important is that we would be rich toward God. It's the pinnacle thing for all of us. We're all, you know, some of us, we we have different IQ, we have different EQ, we have different measure of resources available to us. We have different capacity, but we're all in the same boat when it comes to this. this. It's the bottom line for all of us. We ought to be rich toward God and we all can do it. So how do you become rich toward God? The first thing is is this. You give yourself to him. I give myself to God. And Jesus, he, he doesn't really care about your stuff. He cares about you. You are the thing that he wants. And it just so happens is that when you give yourself to God, you also... Give him everything that you are and everything that you have and everything that you're responsible for. That's what it means to give yourself to him. It all belongs to him. Dr. John Sutherland Bonnell, who pastored Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in Manhattan for like 26 years, um, wrote a lot of books, really smart guy, loved the Lord, God used him in a a great way. I love what he said. He said, If you first give yourself to God, all other giving is a breeze, basically. It's easy. If you first give yourself to God, all other giving is easy. It, It starts with saying, God, I'm yours. Everything that I am, everything that I have, take it. It all belongs to you. Not just a portion, God, but take it all. Take my life, take my marriage, take my kids. Yes, and some of you are like, yes, take my kids, Lord. But take it all. Take my job, take my possessions, take my hopes and dreams. Take all of it, God. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So honor God with what he's given you. Honor God with your body. Uh, It's like at the very core, there's this heart that cries out to the Lord. God, I don't need all that stuff. I just need you. I want to be rich towards you, God. How do I do it? I give myself to God. So If you you already belong to God, then that means the next thing to be rich toward him is that you need to act like a steward, not like an owner. Why? Because it all belongs to him, right? I gave myself to God, everything that I am, everything that I have. So now I conduct myself like a steward, not an owner. You're stewarding like some of us, we steward like a portion of it belongs to God and a portion of it belongs to me. But if you give yourself to God and you're becoming rich in God, then it all belongs to him and then you should steward it that way. You are not an owner. You are a steward. You are a manager. All of your time, all of your talent, all of your treasure, it belongs to him and you are the steward of it. You manage it. Psalm twenty-four one says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, everything in it, the world, all who live in it, it all belongs to God. So if you want to live your life like a steward and not an owner, one of the key ways to live to do this and to live your life like a good steward is to just simply ask the owner what he wants it wants to be done with it. It's my job to execute, but it's his his intention. It's his his purpose, his will. God, what do you want to do with what I have under my stewardship? That would be a good place to start. What do you want, Lord? That's what I'll do. So if you want to be rich to God, you give yourself away. You act like a steward and not an owner. And then you also, you're intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional with your time. Be intentional with your talents. Be intentional with your treasure. Ask the question, how can I invest my life in such a way that it maximizes the difference that I can make for eternity for the glory of God? say that again. Ask yourself the question, how can I invest my life in such a way that it maximizes the difference that I can make in eternity for the glory of God? Paul wrote this also to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. This is also in the message here, which reflects the translation. He said, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. Think what over? What is Paul talking about? He's talking about an offering that he's gonna take up when he gets there. He's he's going to take up an offering for the work of the gospel. And he says, I want each of you to take time to think it over and make up your own mind about what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. Remember I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago? when we were talking about when we come to you and we say it's time to give an offering, we, we're not showing you like the sad commercial of the puppies and the pound and with Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background and trying to emotionally manipulate you. We're saying, ask the Lord, hear from the Lord and be obedient. You don't need to be moved by arm twisting and sob stories. I have, I, that has happened to me before. I've been... I've been manipulated to give before. And in my heart, I felt like it was coming from a pure place. But when I later, when I felt like I was being manipulated, I felt like, wow, that's pretty terrible. I should have been more mature. I'm not placing the blame on the person that manipulated me. I need to take personal responsibility and say, I shouldn't have been just so emotionally worked up. I should have just been better in discernment of the Holy Spirit for what he was telling me to do. How do you grow in discernment of the Holy Spirit? Well, this thing right here, you open this up and you read it and you know what God says and you know how he thinks and you pray and you wait on the Lord to speak to you and you walk in wisdom and you walk in faith. And Paul says, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Have you ever, do you ever do that? Do you delight in giving? It's fun. It's fun to give away a car to somebody that needs it. We've done that a couple times. It's fun to give away a guitar to somebody that needs it. Oh, but God, I don't. I, I literally got into a conversation, an argument with the Lord one time as he was telling me to give a guitar away. God, I can't afford to do that. And I heard the voice of the Lord, I think I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, <laughs> I think I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, you can't afford not to do it. Meaning uh, you, you ought to like have enough wisdom to be obedient to me, to know that I take care of you know, the birds in the air and the flowers of the field, how much more will I take care of you? Matthew chapter six. It's fun. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God wants you to enjoy being generous. He wants you to have a good time as you are living out and you are the legacy of Jesus. You are the legacy of the gospel. You are a result of Jesus laying his life down and resurrecting us and filling us with his Holy Spirit. And we are also continuing the legacy of Jesus as we minister the gospel to the world around us and introduce people to the real Jesus, amen? And, and we need to be intentional. That's why we announced this a couple of weeks ago that we're gonna have this legacy offering on the last Sunday of this year. Now, listen, you might be out of town. You know that already. Well, we're gonna be out of town that day. That's okay. You can bring your offering early. That's, that's fine. But the reason that we're doing it this far in advance, letting you know about it, is so that you can be intentional, so that you can not be have your arm twisted and be manipulated by sob stories, so that you can actually take time to go before the Lord and pray and ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what would you have me give? What would you have our family give in this legacy offering, in this offering that is going towards things that is going to make a difference that outlives us? This is above and beyond our normal tithes and our normal giving. But we're going to take whatever it is that we we give and we're going to invest it into the most, into the things that make the most impact that will echo throughout eternity. We want to make a difference with our lives that outlives us. We want to leave a legacy so think about this how many times have you spent your time, your talent, your treasure on something that was temporal and you missed it like you you're like man I thought I was really doing something there but I wish I had that time back I wish I had that money back. (laughs) Maybe you made a bad investment. Maybe you just had a really expensive meal at at McDonald's. You know, it it costs a lot of money to eat at McDonald's these days. I don't know. But I don't know, whatever. You, you, You spent your resources on something that was temporal, and you're just like, man, that really wasn't worth it maybe it was a new gadget or a new piece of technology that you thought you just had to have. Oh, this will make my life so much better and so much more efficient and this will be so great and it's just like, yeah, it doesn't, That it's just okay. Teenagers, maybe it was a new pair of shoes. <laughs> you thought, yeah, I just gotta have these and then like the next day they're scratched to pieces. <laughs> or you know like, What they say, the two happiest days in the life of a boat owner is the day he buys his boat and then the day he sells his boat. (laughs) Listen, it's often true that you're going to miss whatever it is that you spend on temporary things. And it's also true that you will never miss what you spend and invest on eternal things. You you won't. How how can you be this kind of of giver like Paul talks about here where he says God loves a cheerful giver? Because you know what you're giving towards is going to make a difference for eternity. It's going to outlast. It's going to endure the fire. It's not going to blow away. What you spend on eternity will be the greatest investment of your life. Guys, this is not about just an offering that's coming up in a few weeks from now. This is about living a lifestyle of a giver. The the, the happiest people, the most joy-filled people that I know are not the ones who have the most money in their bank account or have the most assets or have the most protection in this life or have the most toys. The happiest people that I know in life are the ones who are the most generous, no matter how much or how little they have. I know people that have great means and they're very generous and they're very happy people. But I also know people who don't really have a lot of means, but they're generous with what they do have, and they're very happy people. Talking again about a lifestyle of a giver. This is, we're leaving a legacy. I give myself to God. I heard this once years and years ago. It was probably the first year that Jamie and I got married. I heard someone say, the difference between someone who's a giver and a taker, a giver, it's in their nature. So they give when they have enough and they give even when they don't have enough. But the nature of a taker is someone who takes when they don't have enough, but they also take when they do have enough. And I just thought, man, I want my life to be marked by somebody who's a giver, which again, like I said, it's not about, becoming rich towards God has nothing to do with how many resources there are currently in your hand. It has nothing to do with whether you're a five talent servant or a one talent servant. So whatever I have, I'm gonna give it to God. I'm gonna give myself to God. I'm gonna act like a steward and not an owner and I'm gonna be intentional. Would you stand with me as we pray today? Just point your attention to the the Lord right now. And just make these decisions in your heart. God, I'm going to give myself to you. God, I'm going to act like a steward not an owner, because you're the owner. God, I'm gonna be intentional and not just be, just float through life, acting on every whim and being manipulated by the culture, being manipulated by emotion. I'm gonna be intentional. Heavenly Father, as we're, we're making these declarations to you, we want to also have ears to hear what you're saying to each and every one of us. We don't just want to come and, and just tell you everything that we think. We want to hear what you think. And when we do hear you speak, we want to have faith to obey what your spirit is telling us and how he's leading us. And so, God, I just pray right now for everyone in the room, but, Lord, especially those who may be discouraged right now with temporary circumstances. God, it may be something with just an unsettledness in their soul. Maybe the outside circumstances aren't terrible, but on the inside of their heart and their soul, God, there's turmoil. I pray you bring them peace. I pray that they find, Jesus, that you are the hope of the world. God, for those who are struggling with things that are health issues in their body, Lord, I pray you bring healing to them. Bring wisdom that they need for their body. God, for some of us, it's in business or in finance or with our own just cash flow, Lord. Lord, help us walk in wisdom and help us be intentional with what you've given to us. Lord, every one of us is feeling the sting of inflation right now, God. But Lord, I pray that you are protecting your people and that you're showing us and guiding us how to walk in wisdom in the area of of managing our resources, God, managing our money and our time. And Lord, I pray that you even provide for your children above and beyond what we're able to just produce by the work of our own hands. God, we will put our hands to the plow, Lord. We will do work. But Lord, we trust you, to take care of us. We do not have our trust in our own strength. So Lord, I just pray you would stir within us eternal hope found in your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are the hope of the world. God, we remember the first advent when you came to this earth and we find ourselves here in the second advent. We're expectantly waiting on your return. And while we wait, give us wisdom in how we can be intentional. And with every part of our lives, God, in living and serving and in giving, every part, God, help us invest our lives in such a way that it makes a difference for eternity. It makes a difference that outlives us for your glory. And, Lord, I pray for each and every person here who's a parent or a grandparent or Each person in here who's not yet a parent, but they're going to be. Lord, help us teach our kids. Help help us like you told Joshua to not let the law of the Lord depart from our lips. That we would raise our children, God, to love and serve you, and to help them have the, to, to, to give themselves to the Lord and help them to understand, even as children, that they're going to be a steward and not an owner, to help them as children to know how to be intentional, God, help them stand on our shoulders so that they don't have to learn from the same mistakes that we've learned from God. They don't have to learn from the school of hard knocks, but God, we can help them start at a higher level than we've started in so that they would be rich towards you, Lord, even at a younger age than we were. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 Hey, if you're here today, I'm gonna ask prayer team, go ahead and come down front here across the stage. If you have a need for prayer for anything in your life today, don't leave this place without coming down front, praying with one of our friends here on the prayer team, agreeing according to God's word, praying in faith that he hears and delights in our prayers. If you need to give your life to God today, if you need to repent of sin and turn your life to Jesus, praise the Lord. It's Come and and pray with us, and we want to walk with you. We want to get to know you. Today, I have a benediction for us, and it comes from two passages, one from Ephesians 5 and Matthew 6, and it's just kind of did a mashup for this benediction. And this is something I'd like for all of us to pray together. So we're gonna put this on the screen, and I wanna invite you to just pray this with me. Holy Spirit, help me live intentionally. Help me to live wisely, making the most of every opportunity. Help me invest into eternity, because where my treasure is, my heart will be there too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen? Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.